Hey girl, hey. So today I'm trying to be really light because what we're talking about today is gonna be so heavy. Um, it's super heavy. It's super relevant. And I have been an advocate literally since I was like my earliest memory. And I have this ability to talk about the taboo, you know, like (laughs) call me elephant because I'm the elephant in the room that no one wants to address. And I dig it. I love it because um, I want to be change. I want to I want to be the change that the world needs to see Uh, today. Uh, podcast one, I, I talked about my first love, my little sister, Emily, who, uh, only lived about two years. Um, I think about two years, maybe a little over two years. Um, and she changed my life. She taught me how to love. She taught me how to love without words, without, without action, without, um, you know, just uh, looking into one another's eyes or the feeling of, of, of someone's pain or, or whatever. Um, so, uh, but uh, the way that she got that way was uh, my mother's suicide. Oh, elephant in the room. That's right. Um, my mother, uh, pregnant she, uh, she took her own life and, uh, she had been suffering for quite some time in and out of, um, mental institutions, um, on and off medication, had a lot of kids. Um, and she was really, really, really suffering. And, um, she made the, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get philosophical, but regardless, we lost a beautiful soul. Uh, and um, it's something that I have uh, struggled with my entire life. I have gone through the, the stages of grief more times than I can count. And I am finally in a position where I can talk about it without just bursting completely into tears. Um, And I think part of it is being a mother myself. I think part of it is uh, having my late diagnosis of mental illness as well. I think that that, um, so it's 2018, about, about two years ago. I mean, I've always known that I'm different everyone has. I've always known that I'm difficult. I've always known a lot of things about myself, but um, growing up in a home where you don't go to the doctor, well, you wouldn't really know if there was anything more wrong um, other than, uh, yeah, oh, she's the crazy one, the rebellious one, you know. Um, So for me, I had the privilege of finding out at 35 that I am bipolar along with some other overlapping mental illnesses that we will talk about, um, hopefully, in in podcasts to come. Um, I also have a panic disorder, 
and uh, that that's actually what uh, ended up getting me right into that emergency room, <laughs> you know, and about, uh, I don't know, $15,000, $20,000 later, I have a doctor who walks in the room and looks at me for about three minutes and says, oh yeah, she has a mood disorder. It's like, oh wow, man, I didn't even really get to shake your hand, but okay. Um, but as a result of that little interaction, I was able to talk to more doctors and, and get some more context, get some counseling, and here I am. Two years later, I know a lot more still on that roller coaster, you know. Um, but it is what it is, and I am also um, going to let the cat out of the bag. Oh my gosh, all the I'm probably gonna. I'm the. Hey, I'm probably delete this because I'm using way too many animal references, like elephant, animal. I don't. I love animals. Okay, so whatever. I'm gonna let it slide. Um, I, um, I ended up in the hospital because I was suicidal, and I had a. It was the day after Thanksgiving two years ago. Oh my gosh, it's almost exactly two years ago because it's almost Thanksgiving. Whew. Um, maybe it's been three. No, I think it's two or three. I don't know. Time for me, whew, not good with it. Um, anyways, so I, um, I had a visit from my brother who I adore. I adore him. He is the most adorable, charming, handsome, all of the above, single, (laughs) by the way, sorry, buddy, (laughs) my youngest brother, I just love him, and he, he came over to visit me and my family, and we were having just a regular conversation, you know, things we've talked about in the past, and, um, I had, I think I had maybe had coffee or whatever and the day kind of got away from me and I hadn't had really anything to eat and I think it was around like three o'clock and no I don't know anyways I, I all of a sudden we're talking and I start to feel my temperature change and then my heart starts racing and I, I start getting really, really dizzy. And he's like going in and out of focus. And I'm, I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like looking at him. And then I kind of start seeing him, seeing me kind of wobble. And I go, hey, I'm not trying to be rude, but I think I need to lay down for a second. And he's like, yeah, you don't look so good. <laughs> and... Um, so I just, I just lay down on the carpet and I, um, I, I feel, I feel like I'm having a heart attack. I, I can't breathe. I, 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 I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm, um, I'm losing time. I'm, uh, you know, like even, even, even talking about this is making me panicky. So if I sound like all over the place, I'm trying to keep my shit together right now. Um, so anyways, long story short, I go into a full blown panic attack. And at the time our backyard was a part, was a big, huge park with a walking path. And, and my brother, so great. My younger brother, 
he's like, Hey, put some shoes on. He was like, you know, I, you know, I know what you're going through. You're having a panic attack. Let me walk you through it. Let me, you know, let me try and help you. And at this point, you know, I'm the older sister. Like I'm supposed to be the one that helps him, you know, in my mind in this quote, you know, the way you're supposed to be in life, the way we're taught to be, you know. And so I immediately feel guilt because I'm supposed to be taking care of him, not the other way around. And then I also feel guilt because he expresses to me that he is bipolar and that he has panic attacks. And I have this overwhelming panic and fear. And I am literally like, I'm going to throw up. I don't know what to do. I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm dying. I'm like clenching my, my throat and my chest and I don't know what to do. And he helps me get my shoes on. We start walking around the park and he's like, okay, you know, like find an anchor, anchor yourself. Like think of something that you really love. And I mean, like the, the way he's talking to me and the way he's coaching me, it's just so incredible. And and we just walk and walk and walk and I'm t- and, and I'm and I have my my watch on that's a tracker and and I'm walking around and I'm and we are walking. I mean, we were putting in a couple miles and I am still panicking and I you know, we're having to stop because I I feel like I'm going to pass out and I can't breathe and but he's just he's with me every step of the way and he's giving me these incredible gifts of knowledge and insight and and, and I am just like blown away. And, and then finally, I, I, th- I think I'm okay. And so we go back into the house and he's like, okay, I'm so sorry, sis, but I got to go. And I'm like, no problem. It's all good. And, and we had stuff going on, you know, like our kids are all over the place. And, and so I, I thought, I thought that I was okay. And I'm like, you know what, like, maybe I just need like a glass of wine. Like maybe it will calm me down, which, you know, growing up in my household, alcohol's forbidden, coffee's forbidden. So I'm already doing like all the things that I'm not supposed to or allowed to do. And, I have a glass of wine. It doesn't, it's not helping. And, um, I just, um, my husband is, is having to run around and do all the carpool. And I think there was like a soccer tournament or something going on. And so he wasn't at home, but my oldest son was. And I remember it getting to be around like, I don't know, like 10, 10 at night or something like that. And I don't know where my husband was at the time. I know he was doing something with with my sons, but my, my oldest son was there. And at the time, I believe he was 19, 18 or 19, 18, almost 19, around that age. And I re- remember it was probably around 1030 at night. And um, I, I had been having a nonstop panic attack. You know, the ebbs and flows of literally feeling as if I'm having a full-blown heart attack um, or like in the middle of a war zone without uh, any protection, done nothing, like know-how, nothing, like just completely felt like I was under full-on attack. And um, I finally, I'm, I'm kind of texting with my husband. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. I'm so scared. And, and I start getting really, really delusional. And, and luckily, I had a moment of clarity. And um, I've, I 
I've always tried to be the, the strength of the family, you know, like, like, like the, the inner core, the, the, the thing that keeps everyone together, the what, the one that never falls apart, right? Like I am this ultimate she beast and I am, you know, without flaw and I, I'm going to be the perfect mother and all of these things. And luckily I had this moment of clarity where I, um, I kept going in and out of delusion and I, um, I had this voice basically just say, you need to go to the hospital. And so I had to humble myself because I knew that I could not wait, literally, like, I couldn't wait a minute. I could not wait for my husband to get home to take me to hospital. I knew I had to get there, and I had to get there immediately. And so I go to my son, and I hold on to his arms, and I look him into the eyes, and I literally humbled myself to my very core, and I looked him in the eyes, and I said, I am so sorry, but I am not okay, and I need you to take me to the hospital. And this was a pivotal moment in my life because of, you know, all of the things that probably seem obvious, but then all of my own insecurities as a human being because my mom committed suicide because my mom had mental illness, because it was my mission statement for my entire life to be perfect. And I had to look my son in the face and tell him, I am not okay. I need you to take me to the hospital right now. I'm not okay. I have no idea how we made it there. I do remember him holding my hand and I remember that giving me strength. I I kind of remember the waiting room. I kind of remember my husband and my and my other son I th- I think coming in um and then them putting me in a wheelchair and then like it's very spotty after that of, of the things that were happening because I was just coming in and out of some sort of reality. I don't know. I just, at one point, I almost remember kind of like slouching and drooling over it, like totally lethargic um, because I had, in my mind, not literally, but I had had gone to hell, had been in hell and back, you know, or whatever the depiction of what people think hell is. I don't, I don't believe in hell, but, um, um, a type of, of, of hell, you know, in my mind. And, um, it was the worst and best day of my life up until that point because, I really, really needed help, and I don't know what I would have done had my brother not been there. I don't know what I would have done had my son not been there. I don't know what I would have done had I not had that clarity of mind to humble myself, to go to my son and say, I need you to take me to the hospital. I don't know, like, 
I don't know how or why things happen in the sequences they do, but it, 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 it happened in a way that was really impactful and, and very life altering for me. Um, since then it has been again, just a roller coaster, but I'm used to that roller coaster because I've lived a life undiagnosed. And I think that really, really needs to be addressed in today's day and age is we're latchkey kids. And I don't know if I technically fit that description because of when I was born, but I can tell you right now that I really wasn't watched. I really was like, it, it was one of those things where it's, you kind of had a fun for yourself. You know, I grew up in a kid in a, you know, after my dad remarried, there were 10 kids. I mean, give me a freaking break. I can barely keep up with the four kids that I have. It's a lot. 10 kids, forget about it. I mean, some, someone is going to fall off a cliff and you're going to be like, ah, Rick Govriddens. I'm, I'm it, it's a joke. It's a joke, people. It's a joke, but really 10 kids, that is like, an insane amount of people to take care of. I'm not blaming my parents. There's no blame going around, but the fact still remains that I was undiagnosed my entire life. And so I had a lot more trauma. I had a lot more problems as a result of, you know, being, being the odd one out, being so incredibly different from my siblings, from my peers, from everyone around me. I just felt so dark and so different and so just out of place. And so, you know, throughout my life, I did, I, I say luckily, and I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way because this is just my own perspective, but luckily, um, I tend to be more manic than depressed. At least that was the case when I was younger. And so I was always the life of the party and this and that. But when I did get depressed, it was really, really bad. And, you know, there were points in my life when I look back now and I go, that wasn't normal. But for me, it what it was my norm. So I thought, you know, the idea of of someone contemplating like taking their own life. I thought like everyone thought about that all the time. You know, I, I thought that everyone, you know, contemplated like the, you know, how dramatic their death would be or, or gory or this or that or whatever, you know, it, it was, it was almost like a fantasy, um, of mine, these, these things that were going on because I, I was, when I suffered, I suffered so greatly that death, and I think that this is the misconception. You know, whenever you hear people talk about suicide, it's always like, oh, they're so selfish. And they're, they're you know, it's, it's just always just this, this horrible person. I mean, how could they do this? How, you know, and I've heard that my entire life. I've heard people destroy my mom, just destroy her. And... Not only that, but, but people do not celebrate the woman she was. They do not celebrate the 32 years of life that she lived and was a ray of sunlight to everyone around her. 
they only remember the worst day of her existence. And that is not fair. And that is what I want to change. And I also want to change this idea that we are completely horrible, selfish human beings. Because at the end of the day, if you haven't been in this hell, if you have not experienced what it is like for your brain to completely and utterly betray you and not know who or where you are, you do not get to judge. You don't get to do it. And that's what I really want to hammer home on right now is that just a couple months ago, we bury a friend. Last night, we go to dinner with our son and we see one of his closest friends and the mom pulls me to the side and says, hey, just so you know, my son, our family, we just lost someone to suicide and he just found out. So he's really sad. There isn't a day that goes by where I am not either affected by suicide, whether that be my own mental illness, whether that be the grieving of my mother, or whether that be hearing of yet again another person who we have lost to suicide. People, we have to change this dialogue. We have to change it. There has to be better resources. I should not have learned what was going on with me at the age of 35. I had an adult son by the time I realized that not only did I have a mental illness, that I had multiple overlapping mental illnesses my entire life. It has to get better. It must get better. It is going to be my mission in life to change this, to educate people. I am not a selfish individual. I love my family. I am obsessed with my family. There is nothing that I wouldn't do for my family. And guess what? There are days that I want to end it all. There are some days when I think, oh, how much better they would be without me. There are days when I just cannot possibly wrap my mind around existing for one more minute. That is reality. We are not selfish people. We are deeply emotional, loving human beings that have families, that have animals, that have loved ones, that have lives, that have gone through these journeys, that have trauma, that have all of these things going on. We are human beings like everyone else, and we are unwell. Our invisible illness does not make it any less real. Our invisible illness does not make it any less real.
I do not want one more person to lose their life. I do not want one more person to find out in their 30s that they have mental illness. I want change. I want people to understand that we are not selfish. I want people to understand that it is the depth of our love in which brings us to the conclusion that our suffering is making everyone else suffer and we do not want our loved ones to suffer with us. The stigma is so real and so deep and I still cannot have a conversation in my own family that is real and raw and look right in the eye of that elephant and talk about the truth. And I am sick and I am tired and I am ready for the truth to be heard and known and talked about. And you know what? I may never get what I want. I may never know the truth about my mother. I may never, ever get the full story. But I will be damned if my children do not know. I will be damned if they do not know the signs. I will be damned if they do not understand that this is a genetic illness, that it runs in families. And I will not stop. And I will not sleep. I will not rest. I will not be able to allow myself to finish what I have inside of me until there is change. And if that means that I only change and affect one person, if I plant one seed of change, then I will feel like I have made a difference. And I can tell you right now in my home, there is nothing taboo. There is nothing that we cannot talk about. And we do not go around and we are not in funeral clothes and we are not sad. We laugh. We laugh and we play and we do all of these things, but we talk about the hard issues. We talk about depression. We talk about anxiety. We talk about failure. We talk about success. We talk about the things in life that matter. Of course, I want my sons to be successful as the world would, would say success is. But that is not my ultimate truth. I want my kids to have mental health. I want my kids to live a life that is fulfilling, that they choose, not that I thrust upon them, but that they choose on their own because it is their life. I want to end because I know that this has been heavy and I know that you probably feel like you've just been hit in the head with a baseball bat because I know I feel that way right now. And I know I'm passionate and I know I could go on for hours and days and months and years because I have so much 
energy and fuel inside of me on this subject of suicide because it is so raw and it is so real. It is my reality. It is something that I deal with on a daily basis. I'm going to say goodbye today with the hope that you will listen to what I have said with an open mind, that you will try and internalize it, that you will try and have more hope, love, and understanding for those around you. That if you think someone is suffering, ask them, be there for them. If there's one thing I know for certain is that there is not enough love being shared in this world. Love. I'll talk to you later. Peace, love, understanding.